folks, welcome to another episode of The Sidelines. I'm your host, Cortage Hart. I'm here with my other host, my man. It's Ape over here, Corto. How are you, buddy? I'm going well. You've had a big week. Yes. A big five days. Yes. You've done literally the worst thing that any human can possibly subject themselves to. Yeah, moved house. <laughs> <laughs> How'd it go? Oh, it's horrible. It doesn't matter how many times you move. Every time you go through like, I'd say, call it like the five stages of moving where it's sheer panic about a week out. Yeah. And then there's like a calm like, actually, I, I think I've I think I've got this. I think it's going to be pretty smooth. Like I've organized a few things. Like, yeah, you know, got the things, got the vehicles, got a few peoples. And then there's the daunting, I'm a few hours in and it hasn't gone as smoothly as you anticipated and time's slipping away. So there's, <laughs> So that's another part of it. And then there's the... I'm over this. I don't care anymore. Yeah, that's a big one. So that's when you routinely start throwing out things that you know deep down in 10 days time you're going to need. Yeah. But you've come, you've come to terms with that. It's just part of the deal. I suspect also you're a bit like me where like we're not dudes that just throw things out at the drop of a hat. And it's amazing how when you move house, you're like, I have a lot of shit that I I moved here from the last house and had always thought, nah, I don't need to throw that out. Yeah, my problem is, I'm a, as one of my other friends mentioned, I'm a guy who has a lot of different hobbies. And <laughs> yeah. Consequently, I tend to have a lot of equipment with all those hobbies. Yeah. So, Oh, that archery set that I bought four years ago. Yeah, that's pretty much me. <laughs> so I've just got all these collections of different groupings of stuff. And you can't throw any of it out because I've like, you know, created these different sort of, you know, collections and, yeah. you know, combed through it and I pieced it all together. And you sunk like solid capital into it. And research. I love a good research topic. Yes. I've got a rugby ball here that I've never used at the park, but I know that it is an elite Gilbert <laughs> rugby ball. <laughs> uh, yeah. So look. That was all done. It was also very lucky here that we uh, were fortunate to have the Melbourne Cup that no one went to, and I had a four-day weekend, so yes. um, that also does help shape a few things. I'd read a, a, a research piece, this was years and years ago, where it effectively said moving house is like an actual grieving process for people, but it's an unaware grief process. So you move house and you don't actually realize the big emotional toll that it takes on you in that process. And so for the first week in a new place, your body is like going through a sort of an artificial grief at the whole sort of experience of doing it. Oh, is that why suddenly my hair and beard's all grey? <laughs> <laughs> well, you walked in and like did a Ross from Friends. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, at least he's still with us. He showed up to the podcast recording. Yes. But no, look, it was it was pretty smooth in terms of moves. Um, I will sort of say that. It's um, a couple of the ones before have been more intense. Um, but yeah, look, I was, you know, it was a great time. It's all done now for the most part. Have you ever done the one where you start packing and you start in your own mind calculating, could I pull the pin on this and go back to the real estate agent and say, I take it back. <laughs> I'm not uh, leaving. Like, yeah, I like did that. Wolf of Wall Street, the house. Fuck that, I'm not leaving. <laughs> yeah. So, sh- shockingly, one of my great key attributes is that I'm quite stubborn. 
<laughs> I'm very stubborn. So once I've made up my mind on it, um, so I found that the real estate agent was being a bit of a bitch. So, well, I thought she was anyway. Um, <laughs> so as a consequence that it didn't matter what was going to happen, I was not extending the lease by day. Oh, yeah. Like you MJ'd her. You took it personal. Yeah. So it didn't matter what was happening. Uh, <laughs> and so I hit that point where I was just like, oh, this isn't working. But I was like, oh, no, she's not winning. I yeah. am. I'm not giving her another single day. Yeah. I mean, like, it was just sort of funny how I sort of just, yeah, to MJ, took it personally. Yeah, and you draw back on that condition report and you're like, the oven had a smudge and you go and put a smudge in the oven, like that kind of petty stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you hand it back as is. <laughs> um, but look, it's, it's highlighted as it sort of is. You know, I was also fortunate enough to go um, get back on the golf course, mm. um, which is... Uh, for those not in the Melbourne area, it was a balmy 30 degrees. For those overseas, I don't really, I can't be bothered doing the Fahrenheit. Uh, I think it's about 97. I think you had something like that. It was a warm summer day. Yeah, it was cracking. <laughs> it was cracking. Yeah. Um, but um, it was my first opportunity since our lockdown where I actually had a beer in a glass receptacle from a keg ah, on the golf course. On the golf course. Yep. During the game, post game, post game, post game, yes, and it was fantastic. It was a great day, and um, that, and combined with the move, it sort of got me thinking about um, some situational top five beer moments. Okay, so let me explain to you the yes, the little premise of this. Take us on the journey. So sometimes a beer is just a beer. It's enjoyable. You have it. It is what it is. There's other ones that are just a bit more elite. Now, we're not going to go the boring ones. So I call the boring ones like engagement, you know, someone's birthday, a kid does something. <laughs> you know? I thought you were going to say like the birth of your child. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even go that far. I just went a kid does something. Um, things along those lines, which which I would, I, would, I would put in the staple, it's an event. Mm. They're not elite situational beer moments. Yeah. So the great one, which I'm going to put in the honorary mention is the move. You've just moved beer. Yeah. It's always generally speaking, followed up with pizza. Yes. Like it's not very often. Cause you're absolutely, you stuffed. Yeah. That is a thing. And it's, I just need some pizza and it's, it's none of this fancy ass wood fired four bits of salami. <laughs> it's, I want, at least seven different cows on this and I want to have some arteries to get clogged and I'm having some beer with it. And that first beer you have after that is fantastic. Yes. And you're like, oh, sometimes the double, it doesn't work too well because you get depressed because you know that you've got to come back tomorrow and there's heaps still to do. Yeah, the old I've moved out, but I've still got to clean the living crap out of this place. It's like you... We're trying to climb Everest and you thought you got there and then the Sherpa goes, dude, we're not even at base camp. Or you we're got, in the car you got to the top, but you've got to go all the way back down. <laughs> so look, that's my first situational elite beer. Yes. The second one for me was that like, I think that after a round of golf in the heat, um, that is just a fantastic beer. I will also add in 
sort of like football into that one as well. There's something about playing sport in warmer weather and it's just a better beer. Yeah. I used to quite like the old tin after a footy game. Mm. Played a bit of country footy and that's almost like the law. There's the esky in the middle of the the change rooms just filled with cheap tin beer and it goes down pretty well. <laughs> yeah, something about it. So I've got a couple more for you and I want you to sort of rank them and I want you to try add in a few more to them as well. Okay. So I've only thought of a couple. The next one is, which sort of fits in into the sport realm as well, but not always, it's the shower beer. So I was explaining this to one of our my other friends the other day. Had no idea what it was. She'd never heard of it. Couldn't, couldn't even fathom what this was. I was like, this is the shower beer. Yeah. And it's like, what is the shower beer? The shower beer is you literally go into the shower. Normally it's quite hot. I mean... I don't normally have hot showers, but it has to be hot. It's just how it is. And you're having this ice cold beer. You've pro- you're probably dirty, like to be fair. So it always works well after football. Yeah. Because, you know, you've done something. You've actually got a hard ball get, which I got heaps of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that one. So that, and, but that also works for anything. That's the shower beer is just fantastic. Agreed. There is... The 3 a.m. knockoff beers where the boss calls early. 3 a.m. or uh, 3 p.m.? I was going to so say, are, <laughs> what job are you knocking off at at 3 a.m.? So it's the early knockoff beers about an hour or two before before you normally would finish on a Friday. Yeah, so like at your desk where you sort of go to the sort of fridge and everyone gets a beer and you effectively just dial it in for the last two hours of the day. Yeah, and you're sort of talking and everyone's, everyone's done. So that's a great, that's an all-time one. Yes. Um, and the double down on that one is the last beer before Christmas knockoff. Oh, that's a great beer when you know you're going on holidays and everyone's you, happy. And you, everyone's trying to do that last few emails. And then there's that point where everyone's like, oh, it's not out there, do you again? Yeah. I'll bring that up in 12 days' time. I promised Carol I'd do this spreadsheet before I go on holidays. It's not going to happen. <laughs> she knows she, knows she wasn't yeah. getting it. Then, sorry, Carol, just got tied up with a few other things that came up at the last minute. If I get some time and get around a laptop on break, I'll definitely get to it. <laughs> uh, the other one is the 9am beer, the AM beer. Oh, in what context? Because so, I don't know if you should be drinking beers at 9am <laughs> on a regular basis. No, that's, what's, that's what makes it special. Okay. So normally the 9am beer only ever happens on, you know, you might be, for whatever reason, some kind of lunchtime, early afternoon event. Yeah. And for whatever reason, if you're with a bunch of mates, someone will inevitably just suddenly be at the fridge and they've opened a beer and they've got a look on their face and they're looking for confirmation that this is what's happening. Yeah. And they're looking at you going, I'm doing this. It's time to launch. And you're like, what are you talking about? It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's just like, this is, this is how this is playing out. Yeah. So it's a real risk beer. Yeah. But the payoff is huge. But very enjoyable because suddenly you're just watching whatever it is on. Like you might be watching Rage if Rage is still on. Um, you know, you're just sitting there and you're like, yeah, well, what a day. It's Saturday. <laughs> 9am. I could do anything. Anything could happen from here. Yeah. So I got that one. Again, another summary bit of a vibe I had is the loosely active manly activity. So you've just mowed lawns, tried to fix a car thing, fixed a door, uh, you know, you planted a tree. Again, (laughs) always sort of happens with summer and being hot 
yes. and you've done something. Yeah. But for me, that's my that's my situational elite beers that I'm taking on the journey of. But do you have any more that you think you could add to that illustrious list? I would say uh, big work project, end of project beer. That's a good one. Like the I've been doing 12-hour days for three weeks and either I or my team and I have delivered something, cracking a beer, that's a big one. I remember in a job that shall remain nameless, uh, finishing up like this monstrous project. I hadn't been to bed. The morning was kind of the opening launch, uh, like big event thing for it. And I hadn't been to bed. I'm in a suit. I don't, I'm moving my hands like Donald Trump right now while I talk to you. I don't know why I'm doing that. It was huge. The biggest event of all time. Uh, so do this event, do all this sort of formal stuff. And the adrenaline is just like squeezing me. And so I got in the car and from the night before, there were just some beers in the backseat of my car and I cracked a lukewarm beer and drank it going down the highway heading home on no sleep. It tasted incredible. <laughs> highly illegal. Open uh, bottle in a car while driving. Highly illegal. But that's what I did. That was big time. Mm. I also thought of another one, which can get taken down a notch. Yeah. I feel like it's overplayed a little bit. And Instagram kind of wrecked it. But the $25 pint that you get at the airport before you travel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The beer you would never buy or drink anywhere else. But you're so excited about the holiday. You're into it. But a part of it too is that like packing stuff is stressful. Like it doesn't matter how good of prep you are. You're not good. Yeah. Like even if you're good, you're still stressed. You could be packed out a week in advance or you can be like me and suddenly, you know, you just like, oh, I think I've got everything. And then someone will just be like, oh, so have you got any t-shirts? And you're like, what do you mean? Oh, of course I've got t-shirts. And you're like, do you want to check if you've got t-shirts? And then suddenly yeah. you're like, where's all my t-shirts? What, 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 what was I thinking? Yeah. And so you stress from just ridiculous shit like that. Yeah. So that $25 beer. Yeah. Awesome. Because you're suddenly just like, I'm actually now on I'm actually now on holiday mode. I'm through the gate. If you take an Instagram photo, it deducts points. Did not like that. I've done it before. <laughs> it has been done. Everyone get everyone gets everyone gets one. Yes. You could tie that beer into the post long haul flight beer too, like when you're going with friends on a holiday and you've been on like a twenty hour flight to Europe. And then you crack a beer when you land, even though you're all really tired and hoping that someone will be the first to go, should we just like get some sleep and then get into it? There's that always one. Good, yeah. Um, I've got a real dark X Factor one that I just thought of. And again, I'm drawing on experience from a time that I really enjoyed a drink. This is going to sound really random and slightly mean. The My Mates Just Had a Really Rough Breakup beer. Now, let me give the context. He's had a breakup with a person that I could not stand. He's asked me to come around for the support and gone, oh, let's just crack a beer. So I'm enjoying the beer knowing that that she's gone, (laughs) but quietly ignoring his pain and trying to be supportive. But that beer tastes real good. So you're sitting there with a Carlton draft going, I can't believe this is draft. How good is this beer? Yeah. 
I'm going to ring up CUB. Yeah. I'm going to use their customer hotline. Yeah, he's like, all I had in the fridge was some bitter, man. Hope that's okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole, you know, like where it's confirmed that it's over? Yeah. Like, oh, she's moved in with him already. Oh, what? That's a great underrated beer. So I think enjoying someone else's misery. (laughs) Yeah. When I say that out out loud. I guess it's not, you're not really enjoying their misery. You're enjoying the bit of it that you didn't like. Yeah. Or it's like, again, like a project completing. (laughs) At least sit back and relax. Um, Another one is, and this is probably a bit more subtle, that drink you have when you get to an event that you know is going to be really good. Normally, normally, I mean, we were going to a lot of um, some gigs last year. Yeah. The pre-gig beer is always good. Exactly. Not, not at the venue. No. Because that's a nightmare. No, the, at the bar. So, like, the pre... We'll meet at the, we'll meet at the corner, like... Yeah, we went to see, was it Greta Van Fleet and we met at a pub with some mates before the gig? Yeah. That beer Questionable always goes pub. down well. Very questionable pub. Was that the one with the weird trivia night, but then equally advertising topless? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you'd be correct, sir. Yeah, I remember going, this is a great bar on the outside, and then walking in and going, "This a lot of dark things have happened in this and bar. And I was like... I think I know why this is going on in this place. Yeah, and that's right. Upstairs, it had like a big curtain. Yep. And that's where the topless bar people would have been <laughs> on like a Thursday night. Man, was it just pull a big curtain. So downstairs where the palmies are being served. Normal. All good. Family friendly. <laughs> <laughs> just ignore the businessmen upstairs hooting and hollering. But yeah, that the, the pre-gig drink is a good drink. Yeah, not that we condone like full alcoholism, but... Sometimes it's just some, just some solace in a nice beer. Yeah. Well, I can't think of anything else. I think that pretty much covers off yeah. quality moments. No, that's it. I've wrapped it up now. <laughs> <laughs> now, mate, we got, some, uh, we got some good feedback last week. A lot of people loved that we had a bit of a deep dive into music. Now, the context was... We are talking about the AFL, Australia's big grand final, and the NRL, their other big grand final, two rugby and Aussie footy, the sports finales. Traditionally, the music has been very hit and miss in these. So what you're saying is everyone just likes Hakka Yes, but they also liked hearing us sort of try to problem solve how we could do it better. Equally, there were some people that were going, wow, AP loves Taxi Ride. <laughs> For our uh, international friends, get on your Spotify and type in Taxi Ride. Have a listen. Iconic. What a band. There was other people going, if you're going to say Taxi Ride, why aren't you listing other classic Aussie bands like the Baby Animals? And I was like, yeah, pumping the Baby Animals, one word. That would be a banger in a stadium. Um, But anyway, I digress. So what I was thinking is, okay, seeing as you and I pretty much elite problem solvers for entertainment. This is correct. What are some movies that you could make actually epic and enjoyable to say our demographic by adding in similar awesome music? Do I have to be specific on the movie? Uh, no, I'll accept genre because I'm putting you on the spot. We didn't pre-plan any of this. So I will... Do you want me to go on a side story now or later? Launch. Okay. Tell me. <laughs> So I'm going to cheat and for anyone out there who wants to see how you make a trailer, 
do yourself a favor. Go type in King Arthur trailer. The Guy Ritchie version of King Arthur. It's got... Um, Charlie Hunnam. Yes, from Sons of Anarchy. And Jude Law. Yes, and it's also got Eric Banner. Yes. Uh, the trailer of that is three minutes and 35 odd seconds of pure bliss as they do stuff with Led Zeppelin, babe, I'm going to leave you, rearing through the background. And I don't care, to be fair, you could put, you can kind of put anything with it. And I'm going to be like, I'm interested. You had me, you had me at the start. But they do a really good job of it. Unfortunately, the movie is probably not as good as the trailer. Like the yes. trailer was freaking good. Movie was quite subpar. <laughs> so another movie which took this to the next level and they stole that was Thor Ragnarok basically finally steered in the skid that Led Zeppelin kind of wrote Viking-ish songs anyway and did Immigrant Song, which references, um, literally one of the lyrics is Hammer of the Gods. Yes. Like, that's actually one of the lyrics. That's one of the, like one of his, I'm going to go wreck some dudes with lightning. They play that song. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right, you got me, I'm in. Quick fact, the only way Immigrant Song was applied better in a film School of Rock, when Jack Black is taking the kids in his van and he's pumping Immigrant Song and singing it. But yes, that was epic. So the chicken answer for me is if you put Led Zeppelin in any film, probably going to be better. Yes, that's a fair point. Akadaka is similar, which again, Marvel kind of do a very good job of just saying, let's do Iron Man, but let's just do Iron Man with ACDC. I feel like they... There is no way in hell they'll ever convince me that they set out to use Akadaka for the whole film. I reckon in the editing suite, someone's just put it in one scene and they've gone, do it in all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they had lined up some other songs. It might have had like a, a Metallica song or a Foo Fighters song. And then it's just gone, no, nope, Akadaka it all up. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure. Are you sure? Do not ask me again. <laughs> Put ACDC in every scene possible. Did I stutter? Yeah. I think it was John uh, Favreau. He's got a hard name to say. Yeah. Favreau? 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 Yes. I'm not, you know, I'm not the authority on pronouncing names correctly. Yes. (laughs) I was just thinking, imagine like those classic Pixar films, like a Toy Story. And all those scenes where it's like action is happening, but you're actually playing like badass heavy metal. Like, you've got Motley Crue Wildside busting out when Buzz is doing his thing. That'd be good. That's taken a movie that is, let's be frank, we all enjoyed the Toy Story movies and liked them. That's taken it to a whole nother level. I agree. But I wondered this. Could you watch both the Sex and the City movies if they had Led Zeppelin in them? (laughs) Have they done it well? Or is it like hackily done? (laughs) (laughs) Like someone hit play at just any given moment in the film? No, so like... Or have they done like a really good job of putting it in there? I haven't seen the movie, so I'm going to pretend that this is probably a scene in it. At some point, (laughs) they're sitting around talking shit that contributes nothing to the plot. You mean... In fancy clothes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen the movie... I haven't seen enough of the show to even bag at the show properly because I can't even think of like a an episode segue yeah. to rip it off. I've pushed us down a cul-de-sac. Like, yeah, we need to back out. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I would just I would say I probably would. Yeah. Okay. I I begrudgingly if I knew it was in there, 
I'd be I'd be interested. I'd need to see the scene because I'd just be interested to see how they've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily a movie, but just that bit. So can you imagine like Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump's a pretty good soundtrack. It's it's an amazing soundtrack. But imagine like the table tennis scene with Fat Boy Slim right here, right now. <laughs> I'm probably leaning more towards good films that you can just make even more epic with good music. They had some very good Vietnam, like 1970s yeah, music. They had like Creedence Clearwater, Fortunate yeah. Son. Like had some Hendrix in there. Yeah. I you. I feel like you picked a pretty that was I, solid again, I, soundtrack to I try I level up. Drove in a cul-de-sac again <laughs> and then backing out. I'm an Uber driver whose Google Maps is not working very well at the moment. I tell you, this is the bike path. I'm going to back this up. <laughs> okay, what's the what's a movie you hate? Musical wise, or just general? Just in general. Um. Like, what's something if our listeners out there are like, you know what, I'm going to get AP a download voucher for iTunes and instead of them being smart enough to give you just a general dollar amount, they think you want a digital download purchase of this movie, but you really don't want them to get it. Look, here's my controversial one, which I know everyone still doesn't get, but because it's good clickbait, Hot Rod. Hot Rod? Yeah. (laughs) We just lost half our listeners. I I just can't, it's more, I just can't watch Awkward Humour. That's just, got amazing movie songs in it. Does it? Yeah. I gave up out of the first 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on from this. We'll move on. But it's good to know. For anyone listening, get back to us on a movie you think you could make epic with your own different kind of music. And we'll see if we can do something about that next week. How about that? What about if you stole massively hit Disney? If Disney weren't Disney... And you could borrow any of their elite songs and put them in other stuff. Oh, imagine like, uh, like, okay, so say like Love Actually, right? Okay. So the scene where um, the guy comes and he knocks on Kira Knightley's door and he's showing her the kind of placards, which I hate that guy because I feel like then every dickhead on the internet, remember everyone on the internet, even though they had audio capabilities for a while there, you couldn't do a video unless you were showing the signs with stuff written on them. You know, like, hi, I'm Darren. I need $10,000 for my student trip to France. Will you donate? Had Like those kind of videos. Anyway, imagine that scene, but he's singing, I can show you the world from Aladdin. Yeah, that's funny. That gets a girl leaving a guy instantly. Also, where are they getting all these placards from? It's a lot of placards. It's like Officeworks, Walmart. I don't know. It's pretty expensive. It's a lot of effort for Kira Knightley. <laughs> I wouldn't back my handwriting. <laughs> I'd stuff up too much. <laughs> yeah. That's my takeaway from that. Yeah. <laughs> placards are expensive. Yeah. You ain't never had a friend like me. Like all those classics. Yeah. I would just, anyone, just stealing Aladdin stuff. Milan, all of it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, staying in the movie train, we wanted to go into something else because a valid thing came up. And that is, if you were to look at, we're talking about music in films. What are 
some of the most iconic movie montage scenes in history. Now, we'll preface that it feels like it was very much an 80s phenomenon. It, it sort of started in the 80s and pretty much died in the 80s. It's only bobbed up every now and then. Yeah. That'd be fair. Look, it really is. But, I mean, this is also off the back of, as we continue down our Cobra Kai journey, uh, yeah. Cobra Kai, which to me, the most part, is just an homage to the, to 80s. the 80s Karate yeah. Kid, because it is. So they're just doing montages. Like every third episode, there's a montage. Yeah. And for those of you who somehow do not know what a montage is, it's, you know, you're trying to show some people getting better at a skill that normally takes a long time, but you don't have that kind of time in a movie. Yeah. You need to show people improving. Yeah. And that time has passed. And it gives you the opportunity to show off camera angles, skill sets, flowing hair. Elite song. Elite. Yeah. So, yeah, we thought, look, and our... Our perspectives are going to be skewed because, let's be frank, we're not watching montages in romance movies from the 80s. We're watching them in movies where essentially the whole concept was either a weasel loser guy that becomes awesome at something or a totally jacked up roided guy. Yeah. That was pretty much, (laughs) it was one or the other. But we should do a little quick, like, three-part sort of breakdown on them. So, like, whatever the iconic moment was or the strength display. Because there's always a bit where they're showing some epic amount of strength that you as the viewer at home goes, wow, I can't do that. Yeah, it's absolutely critical. Normally they double down on this as well and they show the strength thing twice. Yes. So normally it is like that's hard. Like lifting a tree on my back is hard. Yeah. But but then to show progress, that tree's heavier. I'm now jogging up a hill with it still on my back. Yeah, or like a kung fu guy, he's like chopping one block. By the end of the montage, he's chopping through like all 10 blocks. Yep. Yeah. So that's critical. Uh, and also when you chop the first block, your hand's really busted up. But by the end of chopping all 10 blocks, there's like no damage. Yeah, and he might have some tape on it as a reminder that he hurt himself the first time. <laughs> and then the coach, yeah. the coach will come over and like take the tape off and be like, like it, a nod. It just nods. Yeah, yeah. There's never like high five or celebrating. It's just this quiet, you are finally reaching your potential. Another critical component of the pre-montage or within the montage is the statement that effectively this is going to be insane. <laughs> yeah. It's always the like, you want to win that? Well, guess what? We got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. So you can't just go into the montage not knowing there's a montage has to be blatantly clear that this is going to be the hardest three yeah. hour, three three minutes and 45 <laughs> seconds of condensed film the actor has ever been in. Yeah. The script writers and the directors effectively tell the audience, you're an idiot and we need to really take the horse to the creek and make it drink the water here. We need to let you know this is about to happen. So strap <laughs> yourselves in. So we touch on Cobra Kai. So let's kick off the ranks with my favorite montage of all time. And that is Karate Kid. Good. Karate Kid had two montages. One that was a bit subtle where Daniel is finally like learning more subtle like breathing meditation skills as well as starting to practice Miyagi's famous kick at the beach. And that is backed by, in the most cliche stereotypical way, some sort of Japanese panpipe soundtrack. Just to add a little bit of that uh, Asian flavor that the director's going to I'm unaware of that. Uh, Sam, could you, uh, could you <laughs> play that for me? <laughs> well, by the time this goes to air, I'll be playing it in the background right now. 
I'm not doing a demonstration. But the main montage is this. Daniel has basically been taught karate by an old Japanese World War II veteran who was a handyman in a shoddy apartment block where he and his single mum have moved into. Seems simple enough. He learns all of his karate by doing chores around Mr. Miyagi's house. That in itself could have been a good montage of him doing the hard labor. That would have been a good one. Yes. But basically, he enters a karate tournament. He has never so much as had a fight or done any sort of combat. He has learned all of his skills in a very unorthodox way. So when the montage begins, sorry, so when the tournament begins, he's getting his ass whooped and he's making all these like idiotic errors, like going outside the, the fight mat. And then he gets the classic, one more and you forfeit the fight. <laughs> you know, that the warning from Good the line. ref. Good yeah. line. Then all of a sudden, Mr. Miyagi gives him the look. And then Daniel scores a point and his confidence goes through the roof and Joey Esposito, you're the best, starts to jack up. Right? Now, the three systems, the iconic moment, strength display, then the progress moment, and then the song. So we've touched on the song, Joey Esposito. But his strength display is towards the end of the montage, he fights Dutch who is in Cobra Kai, and he's kind of like the number two bad guy who has the bleach blonde hair. He's very 80s. He's super alpha and jacked up. He eats shit with the biggest fly kick pump from Dutch and goes down to the ground, but then comes back up and beats Dutch and to the point where Dutch screams like, no! Like he can't believe that this spud has evolved so quickly that he's just taken him down. It is a good montage. Yeah. It's very, it's very, very good. Touches on a few things. It's a different kind of, mon- like, it's sort of a weird one too. It's not specifically just training. It's like the tournament montage. Yeah, it's like speeding up time, but also showing, like, momentum. Mm. It is a good one. Yeah. Now, you're, you've got one? Uh, I do have a couple. So, we're going we're gonna to sort of put these into one. Yeah. So, any montage movie, to be fair... The king is Rocky. <laughs> yeah. So, but because, to be fair, I can't really be bothered talking about all the different Rocky montages. So, it's kind of going to... We'll gloss over the themes. Yeah. The theme is Rocky needs to get jacked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he doesn't have a lot of money, so he's going to be clever and innovative with his training methods. Bingo. So, some highlights. There's a few different songs. That obviously, Eye of the Tiger... Yeah, he's gonna, gonna fly now, which is the famous. Stronger. <laughs> <laughs> There's the one in four when he's fighting Drago, which is not really a song. It's sort of just like a weird techno-y. Yeah, thing. and then Hearts on Fire starts, which is a real '80s like. Yeah, but some highlights from the Rocky montages, and again, they all follow the similar one. Some peak uh, displays of strength. Yes, critical. He punches dead cow carcasses. <laughs> In a freezer room, too. Yeah. So there'd be stiff meat. Yep. <laughs> so he does that. And he's like bare knuckle. He's got a little bit of tape, but no gloves. In one of the other ones, he's effectively um, Apollo's training him, and it's he's suddenly sprinting and outruns Apollo. That's another little... Oh, yeah, but on the beach and oiled up to the absolute shithouse. Like, he's oily as, like an eel. The other trick with 
uh, a good sporting montage is you have the it's a double montage. So you can't just have the hero. You got to also have the villain. The villain's also doing it. So yeah. the Rocky Four montage, um, where he's in the Russian gym, like <laughs> Drago, the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A thousand guys standing around, just like yeah, he's got some next. You got the Met Bowler. You get him. Yeah. yeah, just like what are you guys doing? It's the ultimate, uh, like class warfare. Like yeah. Rocky's like he's like cutting down he's trees. Literally, he's literally cutting snow. down trees. And then Drago is like in a lab being created. At one point, he's throwing some rocks around. <laughs> and look, I've watched enough. Ro- I've watched the Rocky movies, or I watched number one recently. Maybe instead of Rocky throwing some stones around, he could put his hands near his face and block a punch. Yes, like. That would also be a good montage. Yeah, well, that's it. There's no montage of him actually learning defense. It's just him learning. <laughs> he's just all doing strength and cardio. I love that one where he's punching, I think it's a bag. or He's in like a dirty, grimy warehouse. So, like, for some reason, Rocky goes to train in like 1787 Montana in a, at a ranch. And then it cuts to Drago, who's doing the old, like, video game arcade skill tester punch where it tells you how hard you're punching, like a dial goes up. <laughs> it's so good. But, yes, that's iconic. The other one with this, too, is the newer one's Creed. Um, yeah. Also good, really good, great songs. They're kind of low tier. Like, they do that sort of typical one where he's just suddenly getting quicker. He's doing some boxing and he's getting faster. Um, the weird one with that is it's for some unknown reason there's a bunch of quad bikes and dirt bikes riding around with him while he's yeah, running. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's a strange urban motorcycle gang that follow him and support him training. Yeah, so look, I haven't been to Philly, so... Maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's a thing. But I feel like we would have seen it in literally one more piece at least of TV or film something. Yeah. I would have at least seen an Instagram of like, went to Philly today. How cool is the quad bike gangs of blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, I'm going to go a little more. Well, I was going to say a little more 80s. We are very much 80s, but Creed took it back. One that's not a sport one, but sticks out in my mind is the ultimate absurdity of montage. Scarface with Al Pacino. <laughs> Anybody that's out there, go and Google this montage because it's literally ridiculous. But it's shaped so much behavior and stuff you see in films. Now, so this kind of took to a whole new level the like cartel drug dealer stereotypes that you see today. So everything from Pacino rocking the white suit unbuttoned down to like basically his ball sack. <laughs> you know. Um, but the iconic moment and evolution is when the montage starts, which is uh, Push to the Limit. Great 80s song. When the montage starts, he shows up at the dodgy bank where he's now laundering the money because he's the big deal. He drops off like one bag of cash. By the end of the montage, he's dropping off like a van just stacked to the limit with cash. There's something to be said about crime fi- films that they love like, you know, there's always a, there's always a bank robbery montage yeah. where it's like they've, they've hit, the, hit the first bank and they've done it successfully and they got away with it. Now they've got a bit of a plan, so they're going to go roll 15. Yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. only thing that changes is like the different, you know, they do like a clever, like there's different doors of different banks, but they're all the same bank. Yeah, or like where the, the handsome bad guy goes from wearing singlets and jeans to now he's wearing like suits. And then there's normally like they get a bit bored and one of them's like putting on a new accent for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, well, this one's absurd. I mean, he's pinched Michelle Pfeiffer. He's buying, like, Ferraris, Lambos. He buys a tiger, and he has a tiger in his new mansion. It's absurd. So his progress is not uh, Rocky training progress. His progress is just sheer wealth and flaunting it. I like it. Yeah. So, look, you've got the more key ones on this one, so I'm going to bring up some honourable mentions that are just kind of okay special. So, Happy Gilmore gets one. Yes. A favourite because he's got the montage of his comeback and also getting good. Yes, and that, yeah, the Happy Learned How to Putt montage. Yeah, and that's also with the overdub of the commentator going like, oh, no, no, couldn't possibly. You know, so that's the comeback montage, which is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also elite. Team America, which <laughs> literally is the... Is the, the, the song, <laughs> we're going to need a montage. Literally, we're going to need a montage. Like, again, just actually too good. And a special mention to Top Gun because I feel like that movie should have had a montage and just didn't. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, it it teased us with montage-worthy moments. Like, the volleyball match. Lots of slow-mo. Yeah, the start with the sort of silhouettes of the jets taking off at the base. All of that stuff. But no no technical montage. But a montage really would have worked well. So, we're going to give it a special uh, honour rule. Yeah. Now, there's another iconic one out there, and that's Flashdance. But neither of us have seen the movie. So we're just mentioning it so no one goes, how could you not have flash dance on the list? But everyone's seen that scene with the girl dancing in front of the judges in the room and knocking them dead, right? With Maniac. She's a maniac. I know the song. Yeah, and then uh, Jerry Halliwell did a remix where she is then thus dancing in front of the judges. Sometimes I don't know why you've seen this shit. (laughs) I watch a lot of MTV Rage Video hits when I was young. <laughs> um, but with, there's one left. One left. And I'll end this section on this note. This is the greatest. So is this, your, is this your definitive number one? Yeah. I mean, I know at the start I said Karate Kid, you're the best. But now that I think about it, there's a lot of people out there going to be like, yeah. You ready? Okay. Cool runnings. <laughs> What more do you need from a show of strength than... Okay, it's got all the classic bits. They're crap at the sport, and Very by good. the end, they're good. Then the show of strength moment, Sunker, the hilarious comedic uh, one who wants to be the driver but ends up just being the sort of comedy guy at the back who contributes nothing physically. He hates the cold. He's tested by being shoved into a freezer van, like ice cream truck fridge. Yep. And he opens the door and then snaps his dreadlock in half because he's frozen. <laughs> so there's a show of strength. There's no oxygen in that freezer. Fair. And he's been in there to the point where his hair's snapping and his face is frozen over. He hasn't died yet. <laughs> and he's in the rest of the film. He's not being treated for hypothermia at any point in that film afterwards. So that's ultimate strength. The man is immune to you know, harsh climates. But also the classic, they have crap gear. They start bobsledding on a dirt go-kart thing down the hill, you know. And then all of a sudden, by the end, they're hitting like Olympic qualifying pace in their crap go-kart. They run into a police car, but they're so fizzing, they get back up and they go again. They don't even care. Yeah. It's a very good montage. Yeah. And it's got some epic reggae soundtrack in the background, by the way. 
There's also a little montage later when they stuff up and then they make the promise to the coach to take it seriously and they get up and they start training as a team. You know, that montage. Classic. Look, at the end of the day, any, any movie that has a montage, generally speaking, is going to have a couple. Yes. It's the way, it's the way it goes. 100%. I feel like we need a montage. Yeah, we might have to create one. Podcasting. Evolving. Getting funnier. <laughs> <laughs> we need a montage where you or I become the coach, though, and one of us has got to evolve our skills. Mm. You could, we could have made a montage of you moving house. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think I did make that joke. <laughs> Last week I was like, oh, I think I need a montage. I don't want to move out. <laughs> the initial battles of, oh, I've got so much stuff. Gonna need a montage. To then finishing with you making that final, like, wipe of some dust on a windowsill and locking the place up. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good camera shot. It's a great scene. All right, mate. I think that's all we've got time for tonight. No, oh, thanks, man. A very uh, pop culture heavy episode. Yeah. No complaints. Good. All right. Before we wrap up, we've got a couple of cool contests coming to the website and our social media soon. A very special thing where you might be able to win something. But don't fail. If you don't win, you might be able to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you can connect the dots later. Because no los dos. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but stay tuned for that. Um, next week is going to be a little bit of a special episode themed to our Australian crowd. It is a sport one, so bear with us. But we'll have two special guests who we can announce. The return of Alex Malcolm, our beloved sports commentator that holds our farcical opinions uh, together <laughs> with actual knowledge, eloquence, and style. And our old mate, Reese Meekins, Mr. VB Cologne himself, They'll be joining us, so it'll be a four-person episode, which will be videotaped as well, so available to watch on YouTube. Excited? I am. Fizzed? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, thanks very much. Don't forget to check us out, sidelines.com.au, at the Sidelines Media, on social media handles, or on all the major podcast platforms to download, listen. Don't forget to subscribe. Click like, subscribe, as they say in all those channels. AP, mate. Righto, thanks again, dude. Thanks again, buddy. See you later, folks.